All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are two girls, one pillow for it. Hi. Hello. <laughs> what to do? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't know why I'm so awkward. We should be. I know. I like, don't know. This is how we're supposed to feel. I think we should live in our uncomfortableness. Oh, okay. So keep all that? We can kind of, like... <laughs> Make it shorter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, we are doing a special episode today. Um, you know, we started this podcast as a way to learn about things that we were ignorant about. And so we decided to do this episode today as a way to educate ourselves. Hopefully it will inspire you to educate yourself as well. Um, so we need to learn about the systemic racism that built our country and is still doing so today. Black people have been using their lot li- or using their voices forever, and it's no longer their job to hold our hands and teach us. We need to teach ourselves. You know, we're a, we're a wellness podcast, but no one can be well while the black community is screaming for their rights and being murdered in the streets and in their own homes. So we're stepping up to use our voices to hopefully change the system. Yes. Yeah. We're going to start with a little bit of history, and then go into some of the ways that we're making changes and maybe some good resources and uh, stuff that we're using. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, uh, I may be let more quiet this episode and it's not, um, <sighs> I'm using my voice now to raise up the black community because what I have to say doesn't matter. It matters to listen to the people that have been screaming at us for hundreds of years. So I'm going to wipe off my white privileged tears from my fucking face and get over myself so we can learn about our black history of this country. Very well said. And I think that's something that both of us have been struggling with is that we're both so upset and exhausted. And then we have to kind of like slap ourselves in the face and remind ourselves like, well, you know what? If you're feeling a little bit tired right now, imagine how they feel. Yeah. Imagine how they feel. So get the fuck over yourself and stop being so upset. That's what I've had to tell myself Mm -hmm. a lot. Like last night when I was doing these notes and feeling so exhausted and drained and just like I wanted to scream I was like well you know what push through it you little baby bitch and remember why you're doing this right get over yourself and become a better person so that you can help make change yeah let's just dive right in okay let's go for it so I started with a brief history of slavery because we have to start there we just do um so it's a general understanding that slavery in North America started in 1619, but um, there's more evidence coming uh, forward that it actually began as early as 1526. Um, This first part is going to feel like a history lesson, but I don't really care because we all need to remember it. You know, we learned some of this shit in history class, but I guarantee a lot of people don't remember it, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Anyways. So according to an article from the Smithsonian in I quote, in 1526, enslaved Africans were part of a Spanish a Spanish expedition to establish an outpost on the North American coast in present-day South Carolina. 
And then slavery wasn't abolished until about 1865. And I say about because the end of slavery was a slow burn. It wasn't some people like to talk about slavery as, well, it ended in 1865. That was so long ago. And it's like, it, it wasn't just one day. Yay, you're all free. Now go be one of us. That's yeah. And it wasn't really abolished. It was just changed. Yeah, it was just changed. We'll get to that later. We're getting to it. And <laughs> yeah, it, um, it was a slow, slow burn. So the reason I went all the way back to slavery to start this is because I wanted to discuss or I wanted to show the kind of head start that white Americans had. So during this time period, so during this, that's 340 years, white Americans were building their wealth, establishing roots, like owning things, uh, getting very good educations. And without admitting that head start that we have, you you can't understand you know people love to be like slavery was abolished so long ago and it's like no no because during the time that there were slaves your ancestors as a white person were getting that head start in life also we stole all of black people's history from them we gave them their last names we told them who they were and for us to think that that's just going to go away because they're quote unquote free is fucking bullshit. Yeah, I mean, just think about everyone loves to white Americans. We love to talk about like, oh, I'm this percent this. I'm this percent Scottish. I'm this percent English. I'm this percent Italian. I'm this percent whatever. And it's like you we have that privilege to look at our history and know it. You know, the people who have an African descent in their lineage, like they don't know what part, they don't know what country they came from. They just know, yeah, you're from, you know, the the West Coast of Africa, but the West Coast of Africa is huge. You don't know, they don't know the culture that they came from. Right. We have Ancestry.com where we have documents and history to be able to trace our ancestors all the way back to where we started. Yeah. These, the black community did not choose to come here. We stole them from their homes. We murdered them, raped them, and continued to call it a gift that they were here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or that they were just property. They right. were just they were just money and property. And I get into that a little bit later um, about how when the talks of abolishing slavery first came about, the like one of the biggest arguments is people are like, well, uh, our economy, how's our economy going to last if I don't own these people? Anyways, I get into that a little bit later. Um, so moving on from that, um, I have the Jim Crow era. So. Everyone's heard that. Everyone's heard the name Jim Crow. Everybody kind of, yeah, but I don't know if most Americans can actually tell you exactly what they were. So um, Jim Crow laws were a collection of state and local statutes that legalized racial segregation. And they lasted about 100 years. So from the end of the Civil War in 1865 until about 1968. And that was only, 1968 was only 52 years ago. So I don't want to hear black people need to get over it. Slavery ended a long time ago because our parents are older than that. Yeah. My parents are in their 60s. 
mm-hmm. and it was only 52 years ago that Jim Crow laws got changed. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, these laws were meant to marginalize African Americans by denying them the right to vote, hold jobs, get an education, and if someone broke one of those laws, they would get arrested, fined, thrown in jail, maybe even killed. So basically they were, it was a legal way to still control everything a black person could do. So yeah, slavery was over, but everything about their lives was still controlled. So in the South, former Confederate soldiers were the ones who were working as police and judges. So it was basically impossible to fight against these laws in the legal system. So these laws prevented black people from going to public parks theaters, restaurants, um, using different water fountains, different building entrances, different elevators, different cemeteries. Um, It forbade them from living in white neighborhoods, which kind of gets into redlining a little bit. And then segregation was enforced in public pools, phone booths, hospitals, asylums, jails, and homes, and everything. Literally everything. So, (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where the civil rights movement started and yes that's how yeah the civil rights movement was fighting against these laws Mm -hmm. and fighting against the violence and the police brutality that was coming about because of these laws Mm -hmm. and i can't help but think of like when you think of these this era you think of those pictures that you see of schools first you know ending segregation And you see those pictures of, you know, a black child just trying to walk into school and she's being escorted by the National Guard. And you see that sea of white students behind her screaming at her. And it's like, just to know those people are still alive, probably. You know, whose grandma is that in that picture screaming at her? That's all I can think of when I see those photos. So that's a little bit of the history on Jim Crow. I'm, I know I'm rushing, but we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not trying to skip over anything, but I'm just... Um, yeah, this is definitely not the full history. Like, please don't think yeah. that this is the full history no, no. of like, black culture. Because this is not... Not at... This is not that. We're not pretending that it is that. We're just giving you a little bit of a background. There's so many more pieces of history that we are not talking about. I know. I and I want them, you to yeah. know that that... That is not oversight by us. No. It is not overseen. That is not something that we are like, oh, well, it's fine. We don't have to talk about everything. Like, we no. just want you to know the important parts about what we're talking about. But there's so many more pieces to learn and to educate yourself on. So much more. And there's going to be tons of resources in the bottom of our description of the podcast. Yeah, scroll down, you'll see all of our sources and resources, and then you can go and see the yeah. actual detailed history. And there's even more more articles that like we read that we're not talking about because that's we're just giving you a little bit because, again, our voices are not the ones that you should be listening to right now. We are pointing you in the direction of educating yourself and learning and making a change. Yeah. The only reason I'm including this brief history is because it's like, 
we just need to see where we came from. It's so interesting to think, hey, oh, the police aren't racist. But then, like, you go back in that timeline and you see how it was built. Anyways, so after learning that little bit of history, or after going over, not learning, after going over that little bit of history, I want to talk about the racist history of police. Because that's the big, that's the big thing right now that everyone's talking about is, you know, abolish the police all cops are bad stuff like that so it's i want to go over the racist history of the police so the american police force was created to protect white wealth at the expense of black people immigrants and minorities so the modern police departments evolved from slave patrols so in the south slave patrols were used to control the slaves obviously and protect wealthy white landowners and after slavery was abolished, those slave patrols turned into the sheriff's offices who enforced segregation or even the vigilante groups like the KKK. And then in the North, police were used to control the number the number of immigrants that were coming in. So that leads us into the pre-civil rights era. So in the 1800s, that's when white male police departments started to form in Boston, New York City, and other big cities. And then the police were basically just used to uphold racism through law enforcement. So that's pre-civil rights. Civil rights movement, as we said before, was the fight against the Jim Crow laws. So black Americans were protesting police brutality, racial profiling with riots and boycotts and, and peaceful protests. And the police responded to this with, sounds familiar, tear gas, high-pressure hoses, and attack dogs. Sound familiar? (laughs) So that brings us kind of into where we are now. So laws like stop and frisk gave police officers authority to stop anyone on the street who looks suspicious and pat them down. And don't you dare say that if you have nothing to hide, you shouldn't fear stop and frisk. Don't even, I don't even want to fucking hear that come out of your mouth because not you. I'm talking to the... (laughs) I'm not saying that to my co-host. I'm saying that Um, Because stop and frisk allows police to use their own personal biased judgment to assume that someone is suspicious. Which reminding, we just told you that the police are racist (laughs) to start with. So, like, I, I understand people when they say not all cops are bad. It's not about the individual. It's about the system, the system as a whole. The system as a whole was built wrong. It was built against the entire black community. And it's not about the individual people anymore. It's, it's about, about the breaking the entire thing so that we can actually have something worthwhile. Yes, and anyone who knows cops knows that that job tends to attract people, the type of person, not everybody, but it tends to attract the type of person who loves control and loves, you know, aggression. aggression. There's a reason that a very high percentage of male cops are also, you know, domestic abuse and all that shit. Yeah, just look up all the, the the three police officers that murdered Breonna Taylor. Just look up their history and you'll be able to understand where these people are coming from. Yeah, so it's it's 
it's about the culture within the police community. The culture is, I can do whatever I want without consequence. and Which right now, they fucking can. Which they are, you know. So because of excessive police presence in communities of color, young black and Latino men are racially profiled and end up being the majority of detainees and arrests. So crime rates are supposedly higher in these communities of color because they're being over-policed. You know, so this racist history means that there can't be good cops. The American police force was founded on racism. Everything that you just said, the police have always been there to enforce the law, regardless of how racist the law is. So police have to follow orders no matter what. And if the order says tear gas a group of protesters, even the good cops have to follow that order, which is why the entire system needs to be broken. What you Trashed. Trashed. Throw it away. Just stop it. Throw it off your fucking balcony, set it on fire, and forget about it. Because it's it's broken. It's yeah. literally wrong. And I think we need to actually stop using the phrase, the system is broken. Because the system is not, right. broken. It's not broken. It's working exactly how it was designed. It is... It is doing it's exactly designed wrong. Yes. And so that's <laughs> why designed wrong. That's why people are saying abolish the police, abolish the judicial system, abolish yes. prisons. That is why people are saying those harsh statements. Defund, Defund the, poli- the police. You know, yeah. Because we're shit. still giving them so much goddamn money. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how much money is going to our police force where those people are, are also responding to things such as domestic violence or uh, mentally handicapped people on the streets where those are not the places for police. Those are places for social workers, for medics, for people that are actually trying to help change the way that our country is built. Instead, we just face all of these things with aggression and harm and jail and policing and more policing and more policing. And it's just, it's a continuous cycle that at this point in time, thank God, I'm, I actually am very happy to be alive at this point in time to start seeing this break. And I, I'm very excited to later in this podcast, talk about the things that have started to change. Yeah, I gotta say, we've seen police protests or protests against the police many, many times. And I gotta say, it feels different. Mm -hmm. It's nothing... It it feels different. It's nothing like this before. And I do believe that everything that has led up to what has happened over the past few months has basically made it so that everyone has to pay attention yeah yeah it's people who are people in corporations are fine actually being called out if they're ignoring it or doing anything to fight against it so a little bit how you were saying defund the police and the things that should be in place You know, why are people saying defund the police? What does that even mean? So defunding the police means reducing the police budget and power on a local and state level. And then this, the money taken away from them would be direct, invested directly into poor communities through public service. And the reason we're saying defund, abolish, is because reform is not working. Policing reforms are 
changes that the police force says they're making, you know, bias training, mindfulness, police community encounters, blah, blah, blah. That shit's not working because here's what I, I, I'm not a cop, but here's what I imagine is that there's a mandatory meeting on mindfulness and all the cops are like, fuck, I got to attend this fucking meeting. And then they, they attend a little seminar and they roll their eyes and then they go out and do exactly what the culture in police forces still does you know it the the reform is not working so this police reform costs cities millions and even billions of dollars in like new york city it costs billions of dollars to do this reform training that is not working um and you know police answer you know the police's answer to mismanaged schools is putting cops in schools, which only causes the school-to-prison pipeline. You know, they answer a drug overdose by criminalizing the person instead of treating them for a mental illness that drug addiction is. And we see, in other countries, we see the example of decriminalizing um, certain drugs. And if a person is caught with these drugs or overdoses on these drugs, they don't get thrown in jail. They get the treatment for it, and it actually helps. So, um, you know, police, we've said this, police have a history of adapting a hostile and aggressive war on crime mentality that, that all that does is leave black and brown communities imprisoned or killed. So by defunding the police, this will reduce their presence in poor communities, thus reducing crime. And the money that goes from the money that we're going to take, hopefully, from defunding the police would then be put into public institutions because I guarantee people are going to say, well, like, where does that money go? Or we don't, we don't have money for things, but it's like money for public institutions are being defunded while police budgets are increasing. Yeah. Just, just look at the riot gear of the police officers that have been going to these protests all over the country. How many months have nurses and doctors been working with garbage bags as their PPE. And like they have to reuse the same PPE all day long where they're supposed to change it after every single patient. And these riot gear police officers look like they're going to war. We could take literally all of that money and split it up between education, between our communities, between fixing the roads in our low income housing areas. Like, Literally, there's so much that we could do with this money instead of buying riot gear for our police that don't fucking need it. Research shows that crime is a direct response to social conditions. So by increasing public funds for libraries and schools and healthcare and shit like that, you're actually going to decrease crime. So just because we're taking money away from the police does not mean that crime is going to go up. Crime is actually going to go down. Actually, I don't have the direct... I don't have the note in front of me for like the direct um, like percentage or when this happened. But there was a time, I think in New York City, that um, the police went on strike for something and crime in that area went down when the police went on strike. It's like, yeah. How can we make them go back on strike? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like you were saying, I mean, how many months have we been going through this pandemic and the healthcare workers are working with the bare minimum? And it's like, well, there's no there's no money for masks. And it's like, well, 
Right, we can't stop Clearly a pandemic, but we can stop all of the protests and hurt all of these people and tear gas them. Like, we have the ability to find all of these resources for the police, but if we want to actually help the community so that, you know, I don't know, 100,000 people don't die in America, you know, can't do that. I'm not angry. Very angry, actually. I'm so <laughs> angry. I've been angry. Oh, my God. And I like what you said, how you said, look at the police that are being sent to break up these protests. It looks like they're going to war. They are going to war because the tactics they are using are tactics used in war. And actually, a lot of things. You're not supposed to use these in are war. <laughs> war crimes. Using the type of tear gas that they're using is a war crime. You know what else is a war crime? Arresting and attacking news. How many videos have I seen of someone saying, I'm press, I'm press, and the cop literally says, I don't give a shit, and tear gases them? That's a war crime, and that is happening in our country. If we saw that happening in another country, our government would use that as an excuse to invade them. Well, our own fucking president called out other countries just last year, just a few months ago when they were tear gassing their own people. And it's like, you turn around and do the same exact fucking thing. He's a fucking coward. I don't even want to talk about him because he's a fucking coward. And well, he's also a racist. So well, he's a racist and a rapist and a coward and a piece of shit. One of my favorite images was a, a, a guy with balloons that said our president is a and it said r-a blank i-s-t and he held up a p or a c and he was like which one same thing same thing just a little update at the time that we are recording this um court documents have been released proving that Trump and Epstein raped a 13-year-old girl together. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not what this podcast is about, but that's just another little reminder that our president's a piece of shit. Piece of shit! Anyways, I don't even have notes about him because I didn't even want to talk about him because... Yeah, I mean, he just comes up because he's a terrible fucking person. Yeah, and a terrible person's going to be brought up right now. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's get into some good news, actually, is how have the protests so far helped? So... As of today, so we're recording this on Monday. On Sunday, just yesterday, um, it was released in Minneapolis saying um, that they will dismantle their police force. Uh, Nine members of the Minneapolis City Council, which is apparently a veto-proof majority, um, pledged on Sunday to dismantle the police department, promising to create a new system of public safety in a city where law enforcement has long been accused of racism. Personally, I'll believe it when I see it, but... We're headed in the right direction and people are listening. Yes. Yeah. There's a, a really fantastic post on Instagram from Spring M-A-G-C-A. Um, and it basically lists all of the accomplishments from 525 when George Floyd was murdered by the police in Minneapolis and all of the changes that have occurred since then. And it's every single day something has happened. Every single day there has also been protest. Um, I looked up how many protests there have been and there there was like countless. Um, It was over 350 cities and in every single state. There was not one state where there wasn't a protest. Yeah even other countries so like thanks europe for joining us europe australia new zealand yep 
Um, I was uh, going to list out all of the cities, but then there was over There's too many. 315. There's too many, which is And amazing. I was so, like, I was brought to tears because of that. I'm not going to cry now because I already cried. It's not just New York. It's not just L.A. It's literally the world. Yeah. We are awake and we are fucking dumb. Pissed. <laughs> we are over this fucking systemic racism and we're here to say it's done we're over it yeah we're ready for some fucking change oh a great thing that i read the other day because it's very easy as an american to think oh god all americans are terrible look at all these supporters of trump look at all this you know look at all this racism oh all americans are the problem and it's really easy as an american to like get down on that and be like well fuck this country is fucked but it was a great little reminder to read and it was like you know what actually the majority of americans do not support trump the majority of americans do not follow um the things that he preaches it's just that the people who do support these things are very loud and they don't stop. And so it's very easy to look at America and be like, well, we're all fucked. And it's like, you know what? Actually, no. The majority of Americans did not vote him into office. He did not win the majority vote, you know? And it's it's not like the problem started with him. Either. Oh, God, no. Oh, so, like, God, no. The, the fact that there is so many people standing up now is a testament to where we can go. I... I always think back to such a cheesy um, thing to to say, but in a bug's life, when <laughs> when the shitty fucking grasshopper <laughs> is saying that we have to keep all of the ants down, that if one ant stands up, they'll all stand up, and that is how change is made. <laughs> Olivia's laughing at me, but it's true. They can't stop us if we all work together. She's laughing at me. <laughs> it's, only, it's only because I love that the bug's life... And you're not actually crying about a bug's life, but it seems like the bug a bug's life made you cry. No. I know what you're actually crying about, it's but it's just sentiment. fun. It's just, it's just fun. So it's together, we can build a bird. And we can scare... Okay, she's taking this too literally. I know, but I love it. No. We will build a bird. We're not going to build a fucking bird. We're going to break systemic racism in our country and build a system that actually works for everyone. Yes. That's what we can do. That is how we make change. I love it. Thank you. I love it. It's like in Mulan when he says, a single grain of rice can tip the scale. Anyways, so... Good changes were happening. Like we said, we've seen lots of protests because, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of people murdered unnecessarily. So we've seen a lot of protests. And to be honest, it feels different. It feels like we're actually moving forward. And yes, eventually the protests are going to die down. And that's fine. You know, we can't be in the streets protesting every day. That's totally fine. Those will die down, but it truly feels like we will not let the actual movement die. We will not. And I truly feel like they're 
that that change is being made and we just need to we need to keep going in ways other than protesting we need to keep going by voting and actually heavily researching every single issue and every single person you know we need to actually i feel like the majority of americans either say well i'm democratic so i'm just gonna vote all blue no or it's it, it seems like this issue is something I agree with, whatever. But no, actually researching the history of every person in office. Think about how many times some other horrible piece of news gets released. I mean, I was just watching the Epstein documentary on Netflix the other night. And like how many politicians were involved in that? And you wouldn't know that unless you did like a deep, deep dive into every person's history. So that's one way that we can keep the change going. You can keep it going by reading new books, listening and believing a black person when they're telling you their story, being conscious of your own cultural appropriation. There's so much. Yeah. And also when you listen to a black person's story, don't come back at them with your own story about how you've experienced racism as a white person. No one fucking cares. You're white. You're fucking fine. It's not that you don't care. It's that there's literally no such thing as racism against a white person. It doesn't exist. No. That's not a thing. No. There's, if I hear reverse racism, I'm going to punch in your goddamn mouth. Right. <laughs> you ain't going to have no more teeth to talk. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's like, it's, there's no such thing as reverse racism. A white person cannot experience racism. So if, guess what? If a black person says something against you, it's just your job to listen. Yeah, the thing is, is like when we talk about white privilege, we also understand that everyone also has their own background. Like, yes, maybe you don't have all the money in the world. Maybe you grew up in a, a bad area. Maybe you didn't have all the opportunities provided to you. But still, you have a step above any black person around you because of the color of your skin. And you cannot deny that. You cannot say that, oh, well, I came from the same area. I had all the same opportunities as this person. It's like, no, you didn't. As soon as you had white skin when you were born, the world saw you differently. So I don't, I don't want to hear it. I get it. I understand that everyone else has their own pain. We've all been through trauma. But think of the hundreds and hundreds of years of trauma that the black community is still living with today. Period. Yes, I agree. I agree. It's actually, God, I wish I had the study in front of me, but it has been proven that trauma gets actually passed down to ancestors. Mm -hmm. It has been proven with the Holocaust slavery every these huge huge examples of trauma that trauma literally gets passed down and those people who are descendants of people who experienced that actually have a higher rate of developing you know autoimmune diseases mm -hmm. and mental illnesses mm -hmm. and that is not meant to say that they are less than or that they're weaker no it's that 
if you are not descended from that trauma, there's another step up from you for you because you don't have to deal with the physical repercussions of your ancestors experiencing something extreme. Right. It was in their genetics and it's not something that they can help because it's our fault. So now we have to make change. Yeah. Yes. Um, Another note along the same lines of like cultural appropriation. If a person, not just black communities, if any community is telling you, hey, this is something that was taken from stolen from my culture. It is not up to you to say, well, like, no, it's not like I, I can wear my hair in these braids. That's that's ridiculous that I can't. No, it's not. It's not your choice. It's not your it's not your job to say, oh, they're just braids. You know, it's just jewelry. It's not just anything. It's their culture. Yeah. And so that goes along the same lines of listen and believe people mm-hmm. and, and shut learn your goddamn mouth for like a second. Just listen and learn. Like mm-hmm. there's so much for us to learn. I, I, I can't. I can't tell you all of the resources. I can't provide you everything in anything that is out there but there are so many amazing resources to learn from pick some podcasts pick some movies you want a couple here's some okay tell me great so a couple that i've been watching um personally movies and documentaries when they see us fantastic amazing documentary about the exonerated five um a beautiful depiction of boys that turned into men in prison and how our system failed them. Um, There is a four-part documentary on Netflix. Everyone should watch that. And then there is an interview with the actors and the five men that went through this traumatic experience um, with Oprah also on Netflix. So I highly recommend you watch that. Um, I I had to take many breaks. I had to remember to breathe. Um, I watched the last episode this morning and didn't stop crying until Olivia came over. Um, there's also the Netflix documentary The 13th, which goes into the terrible history of how when we abolished slavery, we then created the jail system and did a mass incarceration of all basically all of the slaves that were there and now they are slaves in prison um and how it is not a republican issue it is not a democrat issue it is a human issue is a human rights issue that we need to destroy and if you disagree with me then you're on the wrong side of the conversation um and a really great TV show on Netflix. It's about 10 episodes, um, but there's three different seasons out now. It's called Dear White People. I haven't watched that yet. Oh my God, it's beautiful. It is so well written. Um, The acting is amazing. And it is something that I think touches everybody a little bit differently. I, I loved the conversations that they had in it. I love the way that they um, 
brought up protesting and rioting and what's the difference between a protest with white people and then a protest with black people like there the conversations that this show can start is tenfold Mm -hmm. so just watch some episodes and talk about it with your friends and you'll be able to actually start a dialogue about change it's all about starting that conversation yes and starting a helpful conversation (laughs) yes that's that's a a big part um that i've also been very aware of in my own life um i i've always seen myself as an ally but i've been a quiet ally and that ends that is ended um i i am no longer choosing to hear people's microaggressions and their thoughts that are racist I am no longer accepting that when I hear those things I am speaking out against them Um, I'm very fortunate that the majority of my friends that I've surrounded myself with are on the correct conversation uh, are on the right side of this conversation Um, because at this point there is no option there is no choice between if you like or dislike black people. You are either a racist or you are not. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I literally, like, I don't, I don't care what you think anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't have, there's, there's no tolerance of, like, gray areas. No. It's like, no, you're either racist or you're not. Yep. And I think people would be surprised some of the things that they say, some of the things that they let slide, some of the things that they let their family say. Mm-hmm. You know, people love to be like, oh, well, you know, grandma grew up in a different time. And it's like, no, like, speak out at Thanksgiving when your family is saying racist shit. Right. Speak out when your friends are joking. They're like, it's just a joke. No, it's not just a joke. Thing, Those words are harmful. Yeah. You're not a fucking comedian, Karen. Sit the fuck down. <laughs> Um, there's a really great post also on Instagram from Black and Embodied. Beautiful. There's no spaces or anything. Um, but it is a seven circle. It basically breaks down the different levels of racism. Um, I encourage you. I implore you. I believe that everyone should go look at this post and understand where you are. See people- where you might fall. A lot of people like to kind of dismiss it and think that they're not racist because they don't say the N-word. Or they're like, well, I don't agree with slavery, so I'm not a racist. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, there's a lot of shit that people say and do that is racist. Racist jokes. That you don't even think about, too. Mm -hmm. The the microaggressions Mm -hmm. that we live with every day and that you don't really know that you do until someone points it out to you. And it's a very simple thing. It's a very amazing post that just breaks it down and say, hey, did you ever think this? Did you ever do this? Well, you might be following in this category. How can you then move yourself? How can you improve yourself and take steps to making change in your own actions so that you aren't in the first circle of white supremacy? So maybe just, you know, look at that. Yeah, um, it is amazing some of the small things 
that I've heard, even said in like at work or like between friends, it is amazing. Yeah. Some of the small little little things that people don't think it's a big deal to say, but it is. And I, I by far am not saying I'm perfect. Oh God. Hundred percent. I have done microaggressions. I have said terrible things, and I am right now saying I am sorry. I am so sorry for any pain that I've ever caused a black person. That is my fault. That is my pain to hold and to deal with and to, again, make change. I am educating myself. I am learning. I am listening. I know I'm talking a fucking shit ton right now. (laughs) But the majority of the past few weeks, all I've been doing is watching and listening and learning and a lot of crying. Um, And all we can do is try to be better every single day. Yeah. All we can do. Small changes every day. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Some music that I've also been uh, getting into is Childish Cambino. Um, I've heard his music before, of course. I mean, I love Donald Glover. He's an amazing actor, comedian, musician. Um, but really diving into his music, I've started like actually researching his music and understanding where his words come from. Um, also about Gloria Gaynor. Um, her beautiful song, I Will Survive, where it started, um, where it originated, how it changed. Um, because the lyrics that we hear now are not the original lyrics. Really? Uh-huh. It's amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, I highly encourage everyone to look it up. Um, I'm not going to go dive in deep to all of these because it is not my um It is not my turn to speak about these people, about these beautiful, amazing, um, black, strong men and women in our culture. It is your turn to go look them up and learn. Um, Another amazing musician who uh, was murdered last year is Nipsey Hussle. Um, I've also been learning a lot about him, Mm -hmm. the way that he... uh, was starting change in his community and how people have continued on that change. Um, some really great podcasts that I've been listening to is Code Switch. Um, Bitches Up is actually a really great informational podcast. Um, and then I also just started listening to Sincerely Letty. Um, and I became a Patreon to her. She is a beautiful black woman historian um she's also getting her second ma um she's fucking incredible she sends out a resource list at the end of every month as well with different books and um, different podcasts different music to listen to um so i'm very excited to start learning from her um i've also been getting more books from black writers as well. Um, I am almost done with Becoming by Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. I have Amanda Seal's book. Um, I have also bought The New Jim Crow. And you you were able to buy it? Yes, I got it. It's literally sold out like everywhere. It's on Audible. Oh, Audible. Nice. So Um, it can't be sold out. (laughs) And then I also bought How to Be an Anti-Racist because, again, 
even though I'm on the right side of this conversation, I can always learn more. I can, can always, always make more. myself better. You can always put your money towards good things. Yes. Um, I personally went to, um, I actually went to Barnes & Noble because it was open. Um, and I got, I wanted to get the new Jim Crow, but it is literally, it is sold out on Amazon. I went to every, or I not went, because we are still in the middle of a pandemic. I called literally every local bookstore, every Barnes & Noble. It is fucking out everywhere, which is awesome because good. Good. That, that means people are reading it good hopefully. on you people so when that comes back i'll get that but i bought um white rage by oh my goodness my phone white rage by carol anderson and biased by jennifer ebhart mm-hmm. eberhart i'm sorry eberhart um so i'm gonna read those two and then god there were so many i mean just looking at the shelf of the section that i was in i saw at least like 20 books that i want to read so I'll take them one at a time. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many books out there. Literally just go on Instagram and look up some different resources out there because there's so many people out there just saying like, here's a great list of books. Here's a great list of podcasts. Um, We're going to do the same thing on this podcast and list just so So many many different people out there that you can support. And that is what we need to do now. We need yeah. to give our money to these black people in our community because this is how they are going to also make change in their lives. Yes. Um, so at the end of this, I also wanted to go through a couple of different questions. There's technically 11 questions. All right. Um, that I think is important for us as white women. Um to answer honestly and figure out exactly where we're coming from. Okay. So the first one, who taught you about race and culture? Um, school. Yeah. And that's it, which is not great because I know that it wasn't a full education. It was what is written in history books. And they always say, you know, history is written by the winner. <laughs> history books are written by the white, the white institution you know the white man you know so my history lesson or my like culture lesson was yeah slavery was a thing and then it ended and you know the black panthers were a, a scary violent group of people and that's i was taught it. that too yeah i was definitely i, I remember it was like mlk against like malcolm x and i'm like looking at the history now i'm like Wow, I was lied to. <laughs> yeah, like I was always under the impression and taught like the Black Panthers were scary and right. like, oh my goodness, this group of like, yeah, like harmful, scary things. Like, no, they were actually like really helpful and they. Yeah, they protected the black community against the racist police. And they like <laughs> did things within their community to Yeah, they help were out there for and, positive yeah, change. Yeah, anyways. Go on. Yeah, another great um, documentary that a docu series that's on Netflix is the assassination of Malcolm X, which Mm. I just started, and it's oh my god, so fucking informative. It's literally like oh yeah, the entire government was against the black cancers and definitely made it so that all of this would happen. I mean, the Martin Luther King's family won the court case against the United States government proving that the United States government assassinated him. The civil rights case? Like, 
that's not something that we're actively told. Yeah. I was never told that in school. Never. I found that out on my own. No, it was hidden from us because yeah. we were also taught by white teachers, which is a really another great thing for you to look at of who taught you? Where did you learn things from? So for, for me, um, I grew up being taught by my mom until I was about 11 or 12. And I actually texted her this morning because um, I was really, really sad from watching um, When They See Us. And I was just like, hey, mom, um, really sad right now. <laughs> Can you talk to me? So we talked for a little bit and I asked her just flat out. I was That's like, awesome. I don't remember learning about race. I don't remember that being a topic that we talked about. And she was like, no, it wasn't something that like I brought up to be an apparent like, we must talk about race. And she was like, no, I taught you about different cultures. Mm-hmm. And we we learned about Mayan culture. We learned about Egyptians. We learned um, countless different cultures. And I mean, we went to mosques. We went to temples. And it was... It was her way of being like, here is all of the things. Everyone has a different way in mm-hmm. their life. Yeah. And there's no there's no reason to judge them for it. Mm-hmm. And so like when I was growing up, I I don't remember seeing a person and judging them for the way that they looked. I remember being like, oh, hey, there's another person I can go hang out with. <laughs> like literally, that is how I remember growing up. And I I only started learning about the different races in high school when I had to take history of the 1900s. And that being a thing of like the Civil War and then how it changed to Jim Crow. And then we had everything that we talked about earlier. Um, So all throughout my upbringing, Especially because I was also just surrounded by my family. So, like, when I saw anyone, it was just like, oh, I couldn't have a new friend today. Mm-hmm. Because I, it was literally just me and my brother and my sister. So, like, if there was a stranger, I would be drawn to that person. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably wasn't great for my mom and my dad, but like, whatever. At least it wasn't the other way around where you were like, ah, other people. Ah. Yeah, no, I was, I was like desperate for other people um so like i again i'm not saying i'm perfect i'm just expressing the way that i grew up and it makes me sad now because now i see all of that and when i was young it was just like it was just another person to me yeah i think we're also taught in in school but then there's just this general wrong understanding of other cultures where we're taught about these other countries as third world countries or developing countries and you know whereas we're like we're kind of taught but not really but we're not really taught that like these were thriving and successful cultures that were then destroyed by probably white Europeans and that is why that they are now you know, we're called... Yeah, we, we took all their resources. We call them developing countries, but actually they're, you know, recovering. They they did have these thriving, you know, cultures and cities and communities 
that were then destroyed by us, mm-hmm. you know, and so that is kind of how we're taught about race is that we're like, oh, yeah, there were, you know, the Egyptians, but now it's a, you know, a piece of shit country without learning. Like, no, actually, you know, there's a lot of culture and development there. And yeah, mm-hmm. like, especially with the American war in like Iraq and stuff. Oh, let's not even get started on that. We're That's we a whole nother episode. We don't see buddy. the pictures of, you know, Iraq is this beautiful country with cities and everything developed and everything. We just see pictures of the desert. And that's it. But yeah. So I, I, it's like, yeah, we were taught in school, but how in depth was that? Anyways, right. move on. Okay. So question number two, um, what can you do to support people of color in your community? And there is a difference between people of color and black people, just so everyone knows. If you are referring to black people, you say black people. And then there is people of color, which can be a generalization of a large majority. Um, So just being aware that there is a difference. That's why um, I actually saw an acronym of BIPOC. I've seen that, yeah. Which I had to look up because I am also an ignorant white person. (laughs) And it stands for black, indigenous, and people of color. Oh, okay. So when you see that, it's referring to many different cultures. Yeah. Um, basically, everyone that's not white. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which there is so many cultures out there. So many. We have just stolen and appropriated the majority of them. Everything. So um, what can you do for the people of color in your community? See, that's so that's actually kind of a loaded question mm-hmm. because I don't think that there are that in the community that I currently have. Mm-hmm. I don't think there are a lot of people of color. Really? Which means where I live, yes. But in my, like, personal circle, mm-hmm. no. So I think that's a bigger question of how can I expand my community? Yeah. That's, yeah. a, good, that's a good thing think, to, to think about. To recognize, I think that's yeah. a really great question for you to explore. Yeah. Because, like, for me... When I think of my community, I think of like Covington. Live. Okay. I think of Covington. I think of this entire area. Um, I've already started to look up black don't, black owned businesses. Yeah, there was um an article I saw going around on Facebook, which I mean, that's how powerful this thing is. It got me back on Facebook. I don't go on Facebook, but um, but it was um a list of all the black owned restaurants in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and I'm very ashamed to say that I opened it up and I had not heard of a single one. Yeah. I had not even heard the name. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, as soon as this pandemic over, it's time to go check out those restaurants. I, can, I guess we can get carry out now. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, yeah. don't wait. Yeah, don't wait. Get don't wait out. now. Look up different things around you right now that you can help. Yeah. How can you spend your money in a positive way to make change? Vote with your dollar. That's the That's truly the most powerful thing you have. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, but fortunately, is vote with your dollar. I was having a conversation with my mom. And I don't give a shit if this is out here. She was telling me about some. So she's had the same um, hairstylist her whole life, basically. Not her whole life, but like the majority of her life. And my sister goes to her as well. And my sister's been going her whole life. Like the two of them are religious customers of her. 
And she was telling me about how at her latest hair appointment, um, not only was she not wearing a mask, that's a completely different topic of conversation, but she was saying how um, she was, my mom was really disturbed because she was openly talking about how great she thought Trump's speech in front of the church was. And it's so great that he's. So she's going to not go there anymore. Well, yeah. And so I was like, how, you know, it's so great that he's speaking out against all these protests, blah, blah, blah. And like, she was so upset. And then my mom was really upset with herself for not saying anything in the moment. She was like, I was so just shocked that I didn't say anything. And then she's like, well, fuck, now I feel terrible for not saying anything to her in that moment. But I guess my mom was just kind of like, I just kind of wanted to get out of there. And then she was texting me afterwards. And I was like, so don't go to her anymore. And my mom was like, well, you know, like, is there really an issue with, with she can still do my hair as long as if I don't agree with her. And I said, no, no, mom, no, don't let her do your hair. That is how you vote. And that is how you tell her that she is wrong. You tell her that she is wrong by saying, if you're going to openly voice your support of Trump, let her know that she's going to lose a client. She's mm-hmm. going to lose that money. Write her a letter. I would write her a letter or an open letter on Facebook, an open letter on Instagram saying, I felt that this is wrong and I will no longer spend my money here and I'm going to look for someone that is for change and for positive positivity. I told her, I was like, mom, it'll be so easy for you to find another hairstylist who's just as good as her, but is also fighting for the correct things. You know, and I I had a long conversation with her and I said, you know, no longer can we say, oh, well, I'll let her still do my hair. I don't agree with her, but I'll let her still do my hair. It's like, no, you vote with your dollar and you say, I will no longer give you money if you are going to say these horrible racist things. How would you feel if you read in, think about when we were learning about the Holocaust and being like, how did this happen? How did people let this happen? And it's because people didn't speak out. We didn't stand up. Yeah. You have to get out of your fucking chair and stand and your up. Zone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah. don't be afraid to call people out. Don't yeah. be afraid to call out your fellow white person. It won't be comfortable. No, it'll you're be not terrible. supposed to be comfortable in that conversation. Yeah. You are supposed to feel uncomfortable. Your blood will get hot. Your face will get red. And, and you are supposed to say <laughs> what you think. And yeah. if they don't agree with you, then that is not where you're supposed to be anymore. You're supposed to find the businesses that support this movement. Because that is the only way that this change will continue. Yep. Anyways. So, yeah. Um... Gosh, that's only question two. Number three. Okay, we'll we'll speed up. We'll speed up. Okay, so number three. What are you committed to doing outside of social media to end racial discrimination and systemic oppression? I think we kind of already talked about that with actually speaking up when it comes Mm -hmm. up in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. You know, not just like posting a black square on social media and then being like done you know actually speaking up when things like my mom's situation with her hairdresser come up actually calling people out in our everyday lives and then also being educated about um the history of things because the only way to stop history repeating itself is to educate yourself on what happened in the past Mm -hmm. yeah so um one major thing that I've done is um, 
created a monthly donation to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so I am putting my money where my mouth is. Mm-hmm. I will continue to do that. I will continue to um, find more businesses around me that I can support. Um, I'm also going to continue to speak out and continue to educate my fellow friends. Um, Another thing, another question. Uh, So how do you behave when you are confronted by racist behavior? So that's a big thing right now. Um, I think that for me, it's a big change. For me, I'm not surrounded by it a lot. Yeah. Because again, I'm very, very fortunate. Um, I'm very smart to have surrounded myself with people that are uh, again on the right side of this conversation. Um, however, when I have just in this past week have heard things that I don't agree with, I have made that uncomfortable conversation happen. And I said, you know, I don't agree with what you think. I don't think that that is correct. I think you need to educate yourself. I've sent articles to friends. I've said, hey, this is actually what's happening. This is a positive thing. Maybe you should look into it. And then I've had a a great conversation after it and understood where that person's coming from. And then they understand where I'm coming from. And we can come to an understanding that like, actually, what you mean is that you're just a little bit uncomfortable and it is okay to be uncomfortable but it is now your turn to start getting out of that comfort zone Mm -hmm. what do you want to learn more about i want to learn about you know what i want to learn about i want to learn about their culture because we've appropriated it for so long yes learning the things that we don't realize are appropriated mm-hmm. and then being like, oh, that's where that came from. I mean, it's so it's so prevalent. I mean, black culture is everywhere. And I, I the reason because I always see an argument being like, well, that doesn't matter. It's just hair. It's just jewelry. It's just this. It's just that. But actually realizing that the reason that appropriation is wrong is because, no, it's not just a hairstyle because... I mean, I was just watching a video about um, that. uh, I think it was Elle magazine did, and it was awesome. A video about um, black hairstyles. And the reason appropriation is wrong is because black people have their culture. And then they are told it is wrong. It is unprofessional. It is. It's ugly. It's ugly. Mm -hmm. But then as soon as white people take it over, it's glamorized and it's like really cool and they can wear it to work, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's like when a black person is wearing um, cornrows and braids, they can be sent home from work, sent home from school and told to change their hairstyle. Again, racist. But then white people do it and it's fashion. That is why appropriation is wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, like you were saying, actually learning where all of these things come from, all these dances that people love to do. Right. Exactly. Oh, I I want every single fucking TikToker Mm -hmm. to put their fucking phone down, pick up their computer and learn about all the dance moves that they've been doing and where they've come from and how we have appropriated them into our culture. I personally am going to continue to look up the songs that I listen to. Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to understand where my money is going Mm -hmm. and seeing how that is feeding into 
the systemic racism yeah. of our culture. Yep. Okay. Next question. Sorry, we're running through this because I we said we didn't want this episode to be long because again, we're not the ones that you should be listening to. Yeah. So number fuck. Where are we at? Um, oh, number six. Okay. What information could you teach people? Just listen to this podcast. Listen to this. <laughs> it's not that we have a lot to teach. It's that we have a lot of, we know a lot of good resources. So we can be like, hey, I read this book and it was really awesome. I watched this cool video on YouTube that was very informational and I learned a lot from it. So it's mm-hmm. not that we have stuff to teach. It's that we have information to spread that we have learned yeah. And so that we can say to our friends and our family, be like, hey, I really liked this video. You should watch it. Yeah. There was a great diagram that I saw on Instagram um, where at the top it was like black voices. And then the black voices were coming down into me. And then as me as a white person was sharing it with my mm-hmm. friends and family and community. And that is how that's supposed to work. Like we're supposed to take that information, consume it and Share it with the people that aren't listening at this moment in time. That's what I have been doing. I've also changed a lot of uh, my personal algorithms on Mm -hmm. Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. I've been following a lot more black creators because those are the people that we need to listen to now. And I've been sharing the shit out of their creations. (laughs) And that's, that's where I personally think that I can... Hopefully just continue to share the information that I see and I see the, the things that my friends are also sharing and I will then, I've saved so many resources on my Instagram mm-hmm. and been like, I'm going to follow that. I'm going to look at this. Now yeah, I'm going to follow I'm gonna this person. i to this podcast and this book and the, yeah. Yeah. Um, in what ways have you ignored this behavior in the past? I think the biggest thing for me is being like holding my tongue and not calling someone out when they're being racist but then also hold on can you say the question again in what ways have you ignored this behavior in the past yeah like ignored my own behavior Mm -hmm. ignored microaggressions ignored microaggressions ignored people being like oh my god your hair is so gorgeous can i play with it oh my god it feels so weird or ignoring people yeah like ignoring what other people are saying Mm -hmm. especially your or like jokes instead of being like that is wrong just like rolling my eyes to myself and walking away yeah just ignoring cultural appropriation from the start um i I will no longer turn a blind eye to that yeah like i'm not even because like Something that's really big in my family is like, okay, well, just like let them be them. Let pers- mm-hmm. that person do their thing, you know. And it's like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be scared to start a fight at Thanksgiving. Right. Like, I'm not, I'm no longer going to like just be silent. If I'm the weird, annoying aunt at holidays, I don't give a shit anymore. Like, yeah. I'm I was going to call you the fuck out and it might. And I, I'm not even going to worry about like ruining the holiday. Fuck the holiday. Because guess what? The holiday is fucking appropriated. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. All of our holidays are appropriated. Anyways, go on. Yes. Um, Oh, you didn't answer that. Did you want to answer that? No, that's okay. Okay. I've answered a lot of things. I've said enough. We've gone back and forth. Um, Why is it important for everyone to work towards ending this injustice? I just fucking break the system. Come on. I don't even like that. I don't even like that question. Because why (laughs) is it not important? Well, (laughs) but it's a... um, 
this again is something that people should be asking themselves why is it important what can we change where where can we change what are the things that we can change to continue making these injustices smaller and smaller until they are non-existent i want my children and my children's children to be like racism what's that i need to open up a book to that yeah like i would love my goal i've always said this is my goal when talking about like women's rights but like um it's the same thing like i would love for my niece who's currently seven to like look learn about us fighting for women's rights and being like oh wow you had to do that and not having to do it herself and so it's this i've always said that about like women's rights and stuff like that having to do with her but i want it to be the same for this i want it to like i want them to look back at 2020 and learn like that is when it changed that is when that is when everything i mean we changed the narrative yeah and that is yeah because obviously i don't know i go back and forth because some people are like oh well you know it takes time but i think that that's just a way for them to stall and not do the work themselves Mm -hmm. but yeah i i want it to i want people to look back on this time and be like oh wow that's so crazy that you had to do that yeah yeah it's uh it's something that I want to continue to fight for. Yeah. Like I, I realized the other day that like I was, I've been searching for meaning for a while for the past few months. Um, and this just hit me in the fucking face. And it's like, oh, this is what you need to do now. This is where you need to mm. continue to fight. And this is where your energy should be expelled. This is 2020 has been a painful year so far but there is pain in growth there is pain in waking the fuck up Mm -hmm. you know so it's we can't dismiss and run away all the growth the growth the literal growing pains that we have been through because this year is waking us the fuck up and we can't go back to the way it was fuck no Okay, Um, this is kind of hard question, I think, for both of us because we're not really part of this. Uh, But how can we be part of it? Um, How can you use anti-racist knowledge to change and progress classroom culture? Oh, yeah, we're not part of the classroom anymore. But but again, you have your niece and your nephew. True. I have my friend's kids. How we have caught I I will be speaking up to all of my friend's kids. I don't care if... They say something different, and it's like, okay, great. Your mom's kind of racist. You want to hear something really great from me? Um, so I know that, like, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts and feelings yeah. with the children around me. Yeah. And I hope that my friends do, too. Okay. Second to last question. How do you handle conflict? Which is a really <laughs> great, great question. Not well right now. Not well. Um, I tend to avoid conflict and just kind of like brush it off and be like, oh, we're just having a light little conversation. But I don't like, like bulldoze conflict. Mm-hmm. I don't, which is right now the way that we should be doing it. Because like black people need to rest. <laughs> they have been fighting this conflict and for their lives forever, they're fucking tired. It's time for us to step the fuck up and share some of that yeah. fight. 
It's time to call out the people around us. It's time to stand up. It is, it's our turn to take on this conflict. Yes. So uh, for me, I, um, I don't like yelling. I don't like loud noises. I, I don't like um, arguments. Like I've, I've never been that type of person. Um, but I have found myself in many disagreements over just the past two weeks. Really? Yeah. And I, I don't let someone get away with what they think if I believe that it is wrong. And I also, I'm, I've reminded myself today because I was very, very upset that I also need to hear people out. I need to be able to listen, Mm -hmm. to hear where people are coming from, to not just jump on them and yell at them because that's not how you, again, make change. No, that just starts, that puts, that makes them put their walls up and be like, Mm -hmm. well, why are you attacking me? That pushes people away. And the only way that we can make change is by listening and saying okay i hear where you're coming from but can i give you a little bit of information can i educate you on what i've learned can i provide some insight into why this is happening and um there was a really great uh little short video of a girl talking with her parents about systemic racism and how it was like her parents kept telling her to stop talking, to stop disagreeing. And she was like, no, I'm not going to stop talking. I'm not going to agree with you because I know that you're wrong. Because the information that you're telling me is one-sided. You're not seeing the reason why all of this is happening. And it was beautiful. She's literally a high schooler disagreeing with her two parents who have definitely experienced all of the things that she has been talking about. And it was amazing because she was like, I love you guys, but I'm not going to give this up. Mm-hmm. This is not where I stop talking because you're the adult. Because I know I'm right and you are wrong. I've seen a lot of those videos coming through on like TikTok and Instagram of children, these teenagers having these convert trying to have a conversation with their parents and just getting screamed at by their parents and like this next generation behind us these gen zers are so strong and they are this wave of change i truly believe that and so it's like to all these gen zers out there it's like stay strong we i know the two of us have had those types of conversations with like parents and people older than us and it sucks and it's so hard to see people older than you know it's like the people older than you are supposed to be wiser than you and that's not always the case unfortunately and so it's hard but that's how we start the change and you might get screamed at or called stupid or whatever but mm-hmm. that's what we have to do yes and last question on here to ask yourself is do you owe anyone an apology i did i apologize to Three people. Really? This past week, actually. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Friends from college that I was very close to in college and I loved. And um, we fell apart because the terrible relationship that I was in. But that, again, was no excuse for me to let these amazing people fall out of my life. And um, that I didn't reach out to them as sooner. Um, is what I apologize for. I said, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're going through all this pain and I haven't been there for you. And I just want to let you know that I'm here. 
I'm here for you. I'm here to listen. I'm not asking you for anything. I don't expect anything from you. If you delete this message, then you do. But I just want you to know that I'm here. And it was amazing. Yeah. They all reached out and they said, oh my gosh, that's so great. You don't have to apologize. I see what you're doing. I see you. I see you talking. I see your post. Thank you for being an advocate and an ally. And I... I start crying Um, (laughs) because this is what I do now. I just watch really sad things and I cry. Um, But it made me feel like I can keep this going. Like I'm not going to stop. This isn't a trend. No, this is not a trend. And if it is a trend for someone, look at your choices. You can continue down a path of systemic racism or you can make a change and for me it was an easy choice yeah I don't think that there's maybe specific people but I know that there's things that I've said and done maybe as a joke or maybe in the world of theater Mm -hmm. um hell in the world of theater I know that I've worn makeup that was too dark for me in order to portray a character mm. and even though I feel extreme guilt about it I was so young that I then get mad and say okay well where were the adults the adults let that happen mm. because I was a child I was fourth third fourth grade you know and so there's that I know in the past I remember this one time oh when I was a teenager and I think I, I don't know if I got a job or like I did something and I tweeted like, I'm a strong, independent black woman. I don't need no man, you know? And just like we would say that as a joke, like I'm a strong, independent black woman without even thinking about it. And it's like, no, you're not. You're not. You're not. No, we're not. So like stuff like that in yeah. the past or witnessing. I know in high school, there was definitely a racial divide. And way more white people than black people in my high school. And just kind of like witnessing that divide, but not really doing anything about it. Right. Like not being like, huh, that's wrong. Or how can I make them feel more included? Just being like, yep, that's the weird. That's the way it is. Mm -hmm. You know, all the black girls sit at this one table at lunch. Oh, yeah. All the black girls sit together. But not and being like, yep, that that's that's just the way it is. Like, right. Without being like, hmm, how can we make that stop? Yeah. And or why? Why do they feel the need to all sit together? You know, because without, they're, they're surrounded by white people. Yeah. Like me. yeah. <laughs> being like, yeah, without being, yeah, just recognizing, oh yeah, all the black girls sit together without being like, huh, they're going to a school that's probably about ninety percent white girls. They probably feel out of place completely and that no one understands them. Yeah. And none of those girls of white background probably reached out to say, probably hey, not. who are you? Where do you come from? Right. Or, and it's like, what are, what's, yeah. Where, what are your parents like? Or right. what are you learning? Like, yeah. And just simple thinking, questions. Like, just accepting. Oh, yeah, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, how do we change that? 
I will say, I take back the question of where do you come from? That's a terrible question to ask anyone. <laughs> Don't fucking ask anyone that question. It's when you so say, rude. When you say where do you come from, you meant like... In Cincinnati. <laughs> where do you live in Cincinnati? Where do you... No, where do you like actually come from? Yeah, that's a fucking terrible <laughs> no, no, question. No. Please don't ask that do, of anyone. Do not ask people that. I don't care. It's just disgusting. I don't care where if they... Where do you actually come from? Yeah. Where, where are your ancestors Go from? trip on your fucking racism, bitch. Um, <laughs> I also... Last thing I do want to say is that I... I want to say a general... Apology to any black men that I've walked down the street from. I'm not afraid of you because you're black. I'm, I'm just afraid, afraid of you because you're, you're a man. <laughs> I would cross the street if you were a white man, which I do, Hispanic man, black man, any type of man. I'm gonna walk away from. I personally have been followed by more white men than anything. Yeah, white men scare the shit out of me. But if I'm alone in public and any man is around me, I'm going to lock my doors. Yeah, it's it's not because of the color of your skin. It is just because I am afraid of men. So <laughs> there's that. It's not funny, but it's true. Yes. Okay. So last but not least, okay. just a list of things that you can do. Okay, go. Okay, vote. Damn it. <laughs> Seriously, if you don't fucking vote, there's primaries happening. There's going to be a huge election at the end of this year in November. Go vote. Number two, speak up against racism and speak up against racist remarks. Microaggressions are racist too. Three, educate yourself. Read, listen, watch. This is not hard to do. You have the time. There is literally a pandemic happening. You have the time. You have the time. You have the resources. Go do it. We live in the time of social media. It is so easy. If you are choosing to not be educated, that's your own fucking fault. Yes. Number four, be an advocate, but be smart about it. Police brutality and the terrible images and videos that are out there are harmful to black people. If you want to share them, make sure to put a warning on it. I would encourage you to share them if you have a predominantly white following. But please care for black people's mental health. They have already gone through enough. Yeah, they don't need to see videos of black people being murdered. So definitely put, um, I've seen a lot of people um, if they're doing like, you know how you can do like multiple things on Instagram, but then a lot of times, sometimes you'll be scrolling through Instagram and I don't know why, but it automatically jumps to the second slide. So instead of just putting like a black screen or a trigger warning on the first slide, put it, I've seen people doing it for the first two slides mm. just in case Instagram switches it over. So then if someone doesn't want to watch a black man being murdered in the street, they don't have to. <laughs> right. Um, number five, your ignorance isn't cute. Read the news. Listen to the resources that are providing the truth of what is happening to black people for hundreds of years. It's not an excuse anymore to be like, I'm just not political. That's not. That's fucking bullshit. I don't ever want to hear that again. Go away. Number no, six. Don't go away. Just educate yourself. Educate we're yourself. Not in the, we're not in the business of canceling. But yeah. Number six. Not doing anything is unacceptable. You are either an advocate and active in this movement, or are you compliant with racism? There isn't another choice. There are many ways to support. So I don't want to hear, oh, I don't want to go to a protest, or I don't know what to post online. There are so many sources out there. Just pick one. Pick a donation to fund. Pick a podcast to listen to. Watch a documentary. Information is out there. So just go get it. Like, it's not hard. Uh, Number seven. 
check in on your black friends. Do not ask them, what can I do? Or what should I listen to or watch or learn? They have already had enough. They're doing enough. Just be there for them. They've put the information out there. Like we said, we live in the time of social media. You can do a quick Google and find a list of black podcasts, black or black authors who've written books, like shit like that. Like do not fucking go to white people and be like, um, what's a good Instagram caption that I should write? What should I do to support you? Stop it. That's that's using their brain power and they're exhausted. Mm -hmm. Think about how exhausted you are just scrolling through Instagram and like triple that. They are fucking exhausted. It's not their job to educate you. So don't go to them and be like, what should I do? Mm-hmm. And last but not least, probably the most important thing that you can do, create a plan to continue this fight. The system we live in today was built against black people in this country and it is going to take a long time to break it apart and rebuild a new and better system. So what will you continue to do for the movement and how will this continue on after all of the protests are over, after Instagram has gone back to boring bullshit pictures of your food and your workouts? How will you keep this movement happening? Because it is up to us as a white community to continue this fight. I am not going to give up. I've already created myself a plan. I've li- given myself lists of things that I will continue to do every single day to better educate myself, to better myself, to continue to check myself and make sure that I understand where my privilege is coming from. And how can you do that too? I think making this episode is just one of the steps that the two of us are taking to be like, you know what? We're speaking out. Like we might not be influencers on Instagram with hundreds of thousands of, you know, followers. We don't get thousands of listens on these episodes yet, but this is just a way that we can like move forward. And yeah. yeah. Again, we're not the people that you should be listening to, but we wanted to make it known and we wanted to put it out there that we are with you. Keep fighting the good fight. Okay. Bye. <laughs>